0: Well, to begin with, God gave—we know that the God, God gave the Bible to us for um, several purposes, but there is a primary purpose, and the primary purpose is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Everything in the Old Testament, in some way, points forward to Him. The Gospels reveal Him and His saving work on the cross. And everything in the New Testament uh, after that points back to him as man's greatest need. John summed it up well when he said in John 20, 31, These things have been written to you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have what? Life in his name. Throughout history, ever since the fall of man, God has chosen a handful of people that He would use in great ways at critical points in time to bring about that redemptive purpose. As I wrote down a a list of some of those great people, I went back to see if they maybe had something in common that led to God's choice of them. There was, and there is. It was their obedience born out of a heart of true faith. And I wish you would remember that. Obedience born. Out of a heart of true faith. When I looked at Noah, I saw in Genesis chapter six that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse nine says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and that he walked with God. That Hebrew word walked is hithalek, and it means it walked a walk around. And and it means your general pattern of life. Was, was with God, always with God. He did, uh, as the scripture says, according to all that God commanded him. Through his obedience, there's that word, God st- restarted mankind on the earth after it had become exceedingly wicked. If we look at Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Verse 4 says that so Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him through his obedience Abram became the father of the nation of Israel In Exodus chapter 3 God said to Moses I will send you to Pharaoh do you remember that burning bush event some of you uh, most of you I'm sure are familiar with that when God called Abram he says, uh, called uh, uh, Moses and says, come here I want I need to talk to you but you need to take off your shoes because this is holy ground And the bush bush was not consumed. But it was a very special time and a very special event when uh, Moses received his commission from God. He said, I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And Exodus 4, verse 20 says, So Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt through his obedience He led the entire nation out of captivity to the land that God had promised him. And so, as Abram became the father of the nation of Israel, so Moses became their prophet. Amazing people, used in amazing places, at quite a unique time in history. And you know, as we turn to the New Testament, we think of Peter and the others who went forth in the confident assurance of their commission to preach the gospel to the Jewish nation. And of course, we move on from there to Paul, the Apostle Paul, who obediently took that gospel to the Gentile nations and through whom we have received the message of the saving grace of Christ today. God had a plan. He wants you to know it. That's why he gave us the scriptures. Isn't this great? Please don't take my excitement as, as anything other than just that. What I do that, I get thrilled. Because we have a great God. We do. What amazing things all of those people did. And there is one person who stands tall among them, and that is Mary, the mother of Jesus, God's woman of extraordinary faith. Now, Mary is awarded that title in our sermon today because God's call on her life was to give birth to and to nurture the Savior of the world. She was especially selected for that privilege because of her character. What was it like? Look at verse 26 in Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great. And he will be called the son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. My friend, look at me. I'm going to take a little break from the scriptures here and tell you that there have been many kingdoms in in, in, the, in the in the in the plan or not the plan, but in in the ages of mankind. We know from our ancient uh, secular history in high school and junior high that the first kingdom that we hear about is the kingdom of the Chaldeans, the Babylon. Babylonians. And we know that they were, that was an enormous kingdom. And we know that that kingdom was conquered by the Medo-Persians, another enormous kingdom. And we know that that kingdom was conquered by the Greeks. And that was an enormous kingdom. And of course, one of the largest of them, all the Romans who conquered the Greeks, and that was a kingdom. But you know what? They're all gone. But there is one kingdom that will never end. You know what that one is? That's the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ as was just proclaimed in the scripture when it says, and his kingdom, that's Jesus, will what? Have no end. And Mary said to the angel, verse 34, how can this be? Since I am a virgin and the angel said, answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High, El Elyon, will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said behold the bondslave of the Lord be it done to me according to your word and the angel departed from her The glimpse that we are given here of Mary in this and other references in the New Testament reveal a woman of extraordinary character And often when we read this scripture, we are always focused on the fact that this was the birth time of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And so it's usually read and studied over the, the, uh, the Advent season, Christmas season. But I wonder how often we really take the time to really study the character of Mary herself. And that's what we want to do this morning. The dominant trait that stands out is her faith. She was quite simply a God-centered woman, and by that, an inspiration to us all. Men and women, men and women alike. R.P. Martin, who was a a professor of New Testament at Fuller Theological Seminary, said this. He said, Mary is accordingly set forth as a model believer, applies to all of us. And the nature of her faith is revealed in several ways. First, she was a humble woman. When the angel Gabriel first appeared to her and said, Hail, favored one, she was greatly troubled. That's what the reason, that, that's what was her response to it. And before he could even tell her the reason why she was so highly regarded, she said, uh, wow, wow. I'm just really. She was thinking in her heart. I'm just really troubled by this. Why is he calling me and hailing me as the favored one? Well, the word "favored" is diataraça, which also means to be uh, thoroughly agitated when you are troubled by it. Her thinking was, "Why should I be singled out for any special favor, any special attention?" And that kind of reaction really revealed her humility, because she she never even expected to see an angel. Much learn, much more learned from. There were any gifts from heaven for her. I mean, if she were expecting that, she could have said, "Gabriel, I've been waiting for you." Mm-mm, No. All of this was completely unexpected. She lived her life as a humble woman. Secondly, Mary was an honest woman. After being informed that she had been singled out by God for special favor, for something that didn't make sense to her, she asked the angel for an explanation, right? She said, How can this be since I am a virgin? Now, that question did not imply disbelief, just the opposite. It was an expression of faith because by the details in Gabriel's statement, she knew what was going to happen. She just didn't know what, how, how could a virgin be with child? And to this, the angel replied in a delicate, but but quite clear way that conception would be done by the overshadowing power of the Holy Spirit. And to emphasize the nature of that, he added that Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, also received a miracle in conceiving a child in her old age. The angel covered both amazing events by declaring that nothing is impossible with God. Do you believe that this morning? You should. Because... There is only one individual, one person, person, I going to say persona. There's only one person who can do the impossible, and that's our great God. And what is the impossible? Well, we call them miracles, yes? What is a miracle? A miracle is anything that happens outside of the law, laws of nature, and there's only one individual, one person who can do that, and that is our great God. He works in ways that we don't understand, ways that are impossible with man. He is sovereignly able to do what is impossible for man to do. And that's very encouraging to us even today. I hope you are encouraged by that statement. If you look at verse 38, we have revealed to us another aspect of Mary's character. First, she was humble. Second, she was honest. Now third, Mary confessed to being a bond slave of the Lord. Now that word bond slave is the original word "doule". And it carries the root meaning of to bind or to be bound. So what Mary told the angel was, I am bound. I am fastened to God as his servant. And Dule is further further defined as a permanent relationship where the servant is devoted to the person and the interests of her master for life. It is defined as a thorough relationship to the extent that no matter what the cost she regards her own interest in uh, her own interest lesser than the interests of her master and she disregarded her own interest in favor of god's interest every time there was any tension in between them <clears throat> now given the fact that the apostle paul used that term a lot in the new testament that that term bondslave used it for all christians there was a theologian of old days named Kenneth Wiest, he asked the question, and now are we as bond slaves, are we as bond slaves of Jesus Christ serving him to the disregard of our own interests? Are we bond slaves? Are we, again, he said, are we serving him just to the point where it starts to cost us something and then we stop? Or are we in utter abandonment of self serving him not counting our lives dear to ourselves. You know, Paul's favorite designation of himself was that of a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He said in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Do I consider my life of any account as dear to myself, in order that I may finish my calling and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ? to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. That's a bond slave. And that was Mary's mindset, a bond slave. You know, following that, as she was a humble and and honest and bond slave kind of woman, there is another aspect to Mary's character that emerges from verse 38. She said, Be it done to me according to your word. Be it done to me according to your word. Um, She was entirely submissive to Scripture. Mary lived according to God's word both before and after the birth of Jesus. There are five examples in Luke chapter 2 alone. If you'll just flip over the page there, look with me um, at verse 21. And when eight days were completed before his circumcision... His name, This is we're talking about Jesus here, then called Jesus the name given by another angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. He was circumcised on the eighth day according to the law. His name was called Jesus, per the angel's instructions. Mary and Joseph observed the necessary days of purification, again, according to the law. And finally, according to the law they offered sacrifices with thanksgiving. They also brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him, as the scripture said, as holy to the Lord as their firstborn male. So you see, Mary was obedient to scripture. She was humble. She was honest. She was a bond slave of the Lord and was obedient to the Lord as a habit of her life. And as we previously said, these are characteristics that God would desire of all of his children, all of us. Now, there is a final aspect of Mary's life that is expressed in what is called the Magnificat in chapter 1. It begins in verse 46. This is the characteristic. She was a passionate worshiper of God. The word magnificat is Latin. It comes from the original Greek word, uh, "megaluna." We have that word. It's a compound word, mega. You mean mega, mega church, mega whatever. And the New American Standard translates that as highly exalt, intensely exalted. Some of you may have the word magnify. Uh, Greatly magnify would be a good translation. Either one will do. It simply means to make one great. This is Mary's song of praise. It's her personal reaction to the goodness of God. And I'll, would you look at how it soars with thankfulness to God and appreciation for his grace. Chapter one, verse 46. My soul exalts. There's that word, the Lord And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. And holy is his name and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. And I want to stop there and remind you that, again, she's probably thinking here of a statement that was made by Jeremiah in Jeremiah 32, 17, when she talks about uh, his mighty deeds done with his arm. Because there the prophet proclaimed, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and thine outstretched arm. And she's saying, This is my God. And she's reminding herself of the Old Testament scriptures that she knew. She says, and mercy, verse 50, is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with that arm, with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever, ever. Is it any surprise, friends, uh, that, that we should remember the virtues of such a great woman of God? Is it any surprise? Is it any wonder that just before Jesus died on the cross that he looked down from that place of pain and suffering and he took care of her future needs? He thought of her, not himself. John 19 says, There were standing by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, and he often referred to John that way, Standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the uh, the, the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that time on, the disciple took her into his own household. What honor and what obedience. Mary remained steadfast through all of the events that took place in her life. And so much did happen in those years. Joseph, her husband, died. Jesus, her firstborn son, was crucified on the cross. He was buried. Three days later, he was raised by the power of God. And 40 days after that, he was ascended into heaven. I mean, these are unusual things, yes? (laughs) And after that, all four of his brothers And probably his sisters came to faith as well. There was so much that went on in that family over the years. But through it all, she remained faithful. When we last hear of Mary during those tumultuous days, she's in the upper room in Jerusalem. She's praying and she's waiting for the Holy Spirit. Those were the instructions of the Lord Jesus before he ascended. H.I. Wilmington wrote a short synopsis called Mary Speaks of what was probably going through her mind during that time. Let me read to you what he said. Remember, he's reflecting her thoughts. How wonderful this time of prayer has been. Kneeling here in this upper room, I think of Joseph Joseph. If only he could have lived to see this day. He would have certainly stood alongside me at the cross and shared my joy over the empty tomb. I know the relief that would have been his concerning the conversion of his other sons. Of course, it was that glorious resurrection appearance to James that opened their eyes, but who knows, perhaps he's aware of these things anyway. I know the relief that would have been his through all of those things. And what memories are mine? The angelic announcement, the shepherds, and those very interesting men from the Far East, Simeon's strange prophecy, which I now understand all too well, the temple episode when Jesus was but 12, and (laughs) that wedding of all weddings in Cana, John has been so kind, providing for my every need, as he was instructed to do. I think I'm beginning to understand the special attachment that my son had for him. But enough of memories. Back to prayer. Dear Father, how can a mere mortal even begin to thank you for the priceless privilege of giving birth to the world's blessed Redeemer? As I once helped raise him, accept my vow to totally serve him till the day of my death. My prayer to you as a young virgin in Nazareth is still my prayer today. I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to accept whatever he wants. Well, people are beginning to move about now. Apparently the prayer session is over. I see Simon Peter standing to his feet ready to address us. I must give him my undivided attention. What precious thoughts are these? There's a couple of things that we can that stand out at least to me from Mary's faith. One, God announced favor to Mary for her obedience and he will favor us if we replicate the four dominant spiritual qualities of her faith in our own lives. Do you remember what they are? She was humble. She was honest. She was a bond slave. And it was personal and permanent and thorough and scriptural. And Mary was a passionate worshiper of God, always thankful for his blessings. Secondly, God was pleased to work out his will will in Mary's life when she said, I am willing to accept anything that he wants. We also have his pleasure when we submit to him the same way she did. And by that, God is able to work out his will in our lives every day without delay and without hindrance as he glorifies himself through us in this world. Obedience from a heart of faith. And that's Mary, God's woman of extraordinary faith. Our Father, we ask that you would help us to be receptive to your will in our own lives. Would you cause us to grow in that kind of obedience, grow in maturity, grow in surrender? an agreement with you in all things that you introduced to us in in its life. We ask that you would give us discernment to know how you want to work in our lives so that we too, like Mary, are able to heap up joy and praise to you for your generous thoughts of us. We do pray especially for these things in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said together. Amen.